Hi, this is Missy Suicide, founder of the Suicide Girls, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion on iHeartRadio with Brando. This is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 143. It is Brando. Stick around in just a few moments. I will be calling up Missy Suicide, the founder of the Suicide Girls, suicidegirls.com. If you're not familiar, uh, because they have been around for 18 years, uh, this was my, my college years that they kind of came into my life, so to speak. This was before Instagram. This was before you know, tat- everybody had tattoos. I, I I was really into going into Hot Topic a lot <laughs> and, and uh, the goth girl look. And Avril, Avril Lavigne was out. I, I thought she was the coolest, uh, the coolest and sexiest girl at the time, this punk rock chick. Oh, my God. So once there was a website that debuted of all these beautiful uh, women with tattoos and piercings, uh, I just – I'm like, this is the greatest thing to hit the internet uh, at that time. So coming up with a talk to Missy and, of course, the, the six degrees of GNR Bacon connection is that the, the, the Suicide Girls opened up for a few shows for Guns N' Roses in 2006. So we're going to talk to her about her history, the history of the Suicide Girls, uh, how the whole GNR tour uh, came to be. And uh, just so you know, I recorded this specific interview uh, maybe like a week ago, uh, I'm talking to you now live as I'm recording this part of it, the intro and the outro, uh, September 1st. And if I sound any different, it's because I uh, have just moved to the Cité, uh, moving from Long Island to Queens. Um, I'd like to think no matter where you are in the world, uh, everybody knows Queens, Queens, New York. So just all this dust in my nose and it's just... It sucks, but uh, I do have some GNR-related moving stories uh, coming up after the interview. And also after the interview, we're going to do some shotgun news where I will give you some updates about the podcast itself. And I spoke to Rod Jackson on the phone. I'll give you an update on on Rod Jackson, the former singer of Slash's Snake Pit. But without further ado, let's talk to Missy Suicide, founder of the Suicide Girls, let me call her. Hello. Hello, is this Missy? This is. And that's uh, appropriate to call you Missy, not Miss Suicide or or MS? <laughs> yes. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I have a weird sense of humor, <laughs> which uh, I'm sure you'll come accustomed to as we as we go. So I, anyway, I appreciate you you taking some time out t- uh, today to, to speak with me. Of course. Thank you for talking with me. I'm glad that we can finally connect, Missy, because I've, I've reached out to you a while ago uh, to do this podcast, but it's, it's, I don't, I don't even know where to start because I am I'm actually a fan of the website. And I remember it debuting my, my freshman year in, in college where, uh, I mean, I'm still awkward as you can probably tell at the early stages of this interview, but I was just really un- uncomfortable with my body and myself and, and talking to girls. And all of a sudden there, there's this website that, it's, it's, it's nothing to do with, yes, they're, they're beautiful women with, with tattoos, but uh, I think the best way to uh, describe it is how you describe it on uh, the Suicide Girls uh, website, suicidegirls.com. Uh, what some people think makes us strange or weird or fucked up, we think, uh, is what makes us beautiful. And that's even though you're, you're – so your direction of beauty standards, although uh, I guess aimed towards women – I I got that. I got that sense from Suicide Girls. So I'm like, wow, there are girls out there for me. They're way hotter than me, but they're they're out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I feel like it's it's all about embracing your body and embracing your flaws. Like if you if you love your body and you love yourself, well, you can't love yourself without loving your body. And you know, there's there's somebody that will appreciate every everything about you. You know, like 
your 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 if you think that your thighs are too fat or your toes are messed up or you you know like whatever it is that you that you have like a hang up about somebody else is going to think that that's the hottest thing about you. <laughs> and so if you can kind of see yourself through through somebody else's eyes and just realize that you know that it that is hot that doesn't that doesn't affect me that doesn't make me any less of a person that that you know doesn't make me any less attractive it doesn't make me any less um able to conquer the world you know then then it it bolsters everybody's confidence and it makes for a happier world wow where were you for me in, in college with those words of wisdom uh, i i feel I, i'm only going to be 36 in a few weeks but i feel like i was such a late bloomer to to understand that and now as we're talking i think i remember a specific Suicide girl going uh, upon what you're just saying that made me feel better about myself specifically. Uh, I have a neurological disability. Uh, it, it, I walk with a limp and I do have uh, leg braces. And as I got older, I use a cane. But when I walk, people just think I don't act like I'm not in a wheelchair or maybe I don't when, when I speak, I don't act how people think uh, uh, someone with a handicap should speak because I, I can I can communicate well, but there was a suicide girl that uh, she had a fake leg, and she Amina. was what, what was her name? Amina. Amina, maybe I I I I can like remember her face, <laughs> and obviously the uh, the amputated uh, she had the prosthetic. Uh, so I mean, while I I do have my legs, but I always felt like what you just said, what I. You may think is unattractive. Me, like, okay, I get these leg braces. Who's going to find that attractive? As I grew up uh, and, and older, yeah, there are some people that are not worth your time that that may not be for them. But the right people will find that the hottest thing about you. And and knowing that, you know, someone like uh, Mina can put herself out there made me feel better as a guy. So it's it, yeah. it's it's been great that you. I'm just letting you know how you actually have affected <laughs> my life and I'm sure other people's lives. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy. I'm not, you know, I, I couldn't be a suicide girl. Yeah. I mean, like, that's an easy one to like, see why somebody was like, love, you know, because it, it represents that you're strong and that you, you don't let this, this get you down, you know, like that your leg braces are like what allow you to, to move about in the world and that you don't let your disease get the best of you, you know? For sure. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's easy to see, like, to, to gain confidence um, from, from those things. Um, but, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. Like, eight, it's 18 years wow. um, on September 5th um, since we started the site, which is bananas. <laughs> like, because, <laughs> because after, after September 5th, anybody who was born you know, September 6th, 7th, you know. My birthday September 8th. 8th. Um, my son's birthday is September 8th. Oh. Um, but, uh, you know, anybody that was born in 2001 right. those will be eligible to be a suicide girl. So they they could have been, the site will be older than they are. <laughs> you know? Wow. And, and ju- it's just a testament to the, I get. You, you hit something. You hit a nerve. You hit a pulse of of a lot of people wanting to express themselves. And of course, there's a variety of women with from different backgrounds and different cultures, different countries. Uh, but I want to get to since you're the brainchild behind this. Uh, you grew up in in Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. So I grew up in Portland. Okay. So and that was before it was cool and hipster. You were you were cool. You were hip. <laughs> you were hip before the stir was added to it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what? When it was hippie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right on. So what gave you the idea and the confidence? What was your uh, upbringing like? What did you surround yourself with, whether it be um, just the kind of people or the music, uh, given what the topic of this uh, podcast is? What did you surround yourself with to give you the confidence and point you in the, the direction to be the founder of the Suicide Girls because before then, you you worked for music labels. So how did how did uh, I guess what was a uh, little suicide like, if I could say that? <laughs> I say that Portland was the perfect place to raise a rebel girl because it was big enough to that you could get into some trouble, but small enough that you couldn't get into really trouble, into hmm. like real trouble. Um, and there was there was definitely stuff that you had to like 
fight against and rebel against. I mean, Portland is and was um, a small bastion of blue in a big sea of red. Like the rest of Portland is all, or the rest of Oregon is all um, like very conservative farmland. Okay. Um, you know, like the, um, the, uh, what was it? The standoff people that had a standoff. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, there was definitely stuff to, to rally against the, um, Tom Metzger and the, um, the like racist, <laughs> you know, like there, there was, and there was like measure nine, which was an anti-gay measure that was up for, for, um, uh, up for the, on the ballot when I was in high school and, um, it's there's just there was a lot to rally against um and so it it raised in me like this sense of like um i don't know this ability to or not ability to but this um this sense of you know that that you could you could make a difference like if you fought against the things that that you didn't believe in that you could make a difference and that um and um, so I, I grew up in Portland with that belief, and then I went out on my own, um, and I ended up in L.A., and I was working for a dot-com, and um, I wait, moved my way up them and um, was you know, had quite a successful career in the dot-com bubble, <laughs> um, probably way more than any 23-year-old should have had. And those were the early um, days, right, of the dot-com. It's, it wasn't like today yeah. where... You know, uh, certainly no smartphones and no apps where dot-coms were happening, and it was hard to get into uh, that field. It was, well, um, so when I went to, to college, I went on the East Coast, and my work study was um, working in the dean's office, and my first job was to make their website. So I had some some website knowledge, and then I came out to L.A. and, like, worked in, um, dot like, the dot-coms and, like, there was such changeover and like such turnover and everybody saw like such crazy potential in it that like I would get laid off from one job and then get like double my salary for the next one, you know, and like double my position the next job, like a month later. And it was like, it was like this crazy domino effect of like going back and forth, back and forth. But, um, when the dot-com bubble burst and, um, I found myself working for, um, you know, like, um, kind of in a corporate environment. And, um, I, it was my first time working in a corporate environment and, um, I was a bit stifled creatively and, um, uh, it was, it was a hard situation. And, um, then, uh, I just said, fuck it. And I left and like, I was like, I won't, I, there's so much oppression, so much like, um, sexism, so much like so many, some like people judge me so much based on like my outward appearance, not what's mm-hmm. going on inside that, um, I was just so frustrated. And so I quit my job I cashed up my 401k and I moved to Portland. Um, cause I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to do this anymore. So you moved back and then I, yes, I moved back to Portland Okay. and, um, I, uh, created, I started suicide girls like on a whim. It was kind of like a, if you bill it, they will come sort of thing. <laughs> you know, like, it was like, there has to be other girls like me. There has to be, you know, other girls that feel frustrated and like want to embrace their bodies and like feel like, you know, like growing up, you're told that like, you know, good girls don't and like that you should be ashamed of your body and like, you know, advertising um, is all about either conforming to like certain beauty standards um, and telling you that you need like, you know, zit cream or, you know, like it's all that negative sort of, uh, association. Right and, on. um, so I felt like I was bombarded by all these messages and I was like, you know what? I don't have to listen to what these people are telling me, like, you know, about my body or about myself or about anything. And I just want to, I, I just want a place where my friends and I am like, can be appreciated for being ourselves. And there was no place that really appreciated the girls that I knew um for for being themselves like the girls with piercings and tattoos and you know crazy colored hair um there's no 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 real place for them to be like to feel beautiful and so i created suicide girls as a place where they could embrace their bodies and themselves and where we could connect online and it was really like sort of one of the first social networks before friendster myspace or twitter tumblr facebook 
none of that existed before Suicide Girls. And, you know, we've, it's always been a social network that features photos. Okay. See, I was going to ask you if you set out to, you know, you wanted a community to, to feel comfortable, but what did you want the, the goal or the platform to be? Just the chat or what I guess it's become known for, uh, I guess known for maybe the photos and, and being able to see all, uh, you know, all types of artwork on it and the burlesque shows. Like, was, was there a, a certain uh, mission you wanted with the the site or was it just always about community and, and what, however that, wherever that took you, you were going to follow? It was kind of twofold. Like it was a community based around the photos, around like people who appreciated those photos. Like it's always been um, a paid network. And so, you know, it's, it's moderated network. So, um, you can't just create spam accounts and like be super rude and um, like the rest of the internet. Say, yeah, exactly, and say evil things. Like, I mean, it's it has it's our little slice of heaven, you know. Like everybody mm. is really nice and supportive and sweet mm. on Suicide Girls. Um, and I mean, not everybody always gets along on every issue, but there's always respect, you know, that everybody um, addresses one another with. Um, and, you know, I feel like that, that comes from the fact that um, it's all people that appreciate the types of girls that are on, on the site, um, as well as, uh, you know, the fact that it is paid and there's an incentive there for you to, you know, not fly off the handle. <laughs> like, yeah. not get into an internet tirade. I, I wish the the rest of the the internet was as controlled and monitored. I don't want to say monitored, but as controlled and just structured uh, as well. Suicide girls measured, you know, like, measured. I like that. Um, yeah, like people are just respectful, and it's it's like you know society dictates that we are respectful to one another, like on the streets and in you know. But somehow the the anonymity of the internet allows that people to just be, um, you know so rude and disrespectful and um, brings out the worst in, in a lot of people, you know, but, um, you know, on Suicide Girls, it's not anonymous. Like people do post their photos. They, they do post, um, you know, they share so much and it's, you know, it's harder to be a jerk when you're part of a community. Yeah. When everyone can hold you accountable. Uh, absolutely. What do you, think now in 2019, because of course it's now the, the 18th anniversary of, of Suicide Girls, where, you know, just listening to you saying how, how much you were judged growing up. And, and for me, you know, I didn't get my first tattoo until I was 21. Same thing with my ears pierced. So I was late bloomer. I had a... I didn't a, get my first tattoo until I was 24. Oh, okay. Uh, I feel better because I, I was going to blame it on my, you know, pa- on my aggressive... Um, Jewish mother who says, I, you know, I will go to hell if I, but now she's, she's accepted me now. She goes, I don't look at them. I I just don't look at them. I just look at your face. Uh, But to think to, in today's world, how mainstream everything you fought for is, it's out of control. I think to myself, just how common neck tattoos are and how, and everyone on on Instagram, face tattoos, of course, and stuff, you know, like, it's like, ubiquitous. What do you think about that? Because, yeah, exactly, face tattoos. I never in my life thought we would see so many popular artists in the mainstream. Uh, yeah, they're all in music. I'm, I'm waiting for the first, I mean, I guess uh, someone will give Post Malone an acting job, but with the first actor <laughs> to have face tattoos. What do you think about that? Do you like how it's gone mainstream, or do you feel, I don't know, I'm I feel like a lot of people can identify with what I'm going to say. It's like when a, a band, like you, you find out at the beginning, and then they get too popular, and you're, you start judging their fans. Like you, I was there since the beginning. You're a poser. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, do, I'm from Portland, so some sellout culture is like <laughs> ingrained. Right. You know, like if if more than five people like a band in Portland, then they've sold out. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, Portland is all about discovery first, and like. You know, you like something for a half minute and then it's like sell out. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I feel like I, I I appreciate it and I feel like, you know, the rest of the world is catching on to our message and like perhaps 
you know, if we've had anything to do with you know, spreading that, that message and of acceptance and like, um, and confidence and beauty, um, that, uh, that I'm all for it. And I, you know, I feel like it's, it's the best sort of compliment, you know, that, you know, the world is, is catching on, you know? I swear to you, I think every day, because uh, here where the iHeart Studios are, Tribeca, very hipstery. Uh, there are way too many dudes with man buns. But the one thing I'll say on a personal level, and what I loved about Suicide Girls, and something I always, you know, just growing up, I would always fawn over any girl with the uh, with a nose piercing, not the stud, with the hoop, or a septum. I always thought those were the sexiest things. And now Everybody has it. So I can't tell, like, which girl is actually a badass and who is just following a trend. So I'm just letting you know. That's how I... But I think, I think that they're all badasses. Fair you enough. Know? Like, Fair I had enough. my septum pierced since I was 15. And I don't, like, almost every girl that works for me in the office has the septum piercing now. And it's like, I, I think they're all badasses. And I think that, it's you know, they're expressing themselves in their own way. And it's, um, you know, they're, they're just... Uh, they they see the beauty in it, you know, like they appreciate it in the same way that you do, you know. Very true. But you are the original badass, I can say that. <laughs> um, Thanks. So how did you, uh, with, with the Suicide Girls and the opportunities it's given you and all the wonderful people that you've met and worked with, how in the world did that lead you to open up for Guns N' Roses in 2006? Because that combined was, um, when, I, when that was announced... I, I couldn't believe it. Two of my favorite things were, were joining. I got to see, uh, I was dating a girl at the time in Ottawa, and we had bought tickets before we broke up. Um, but I, I'm like, you know what? I, I got these tickets. Let me just go up. I want to see the Suicide Girls open up for Sebastian Bach and GNR. When am I ever going to see that again? And I, uh-huh. did, I didn't know about the burlesque show. I really didn't know much uh, about the shows at the time. So I'm wondering how that all came together, because that's... Uh, that's, a, 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 I think, a wonderful part of their history, a very unique and, and a risk-taking part of their, their history. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, the booking agent that we were using at the time um, had uh, some connection to, to the, the booking agent that worked with um, Guns N' Roses. And uh, the opportunity came up, and I guess Axel must have appreciated um, you know, our aesthetic. And so we went up to Canada and... Um, the girls came out for their first show and, um, you know, like in general, the girls get down to pasties and thong panties and, you know, and so they started to do that and it was like a giant arena and um, quickly we realized that there were um, all sorts of kids in the audience. Oh, okay. That it was an all-ages show and so um, we had to adjust. Okay. <laughs> from that, from that point from that show on like we we just adjusted but it was it was a great opportunity for us and like it was a great experience you know um opening up for for Guns N' Roses being on tour and like you know all the backstage hijinks and like um you know we in like adapting our show so that it would be you know so we could be uh in front of that that those massive audiences like in Canada it was like hockey stadiums it was yeah. crazy it was, it was yeah just like the most people ever <laughs> were you intimidated by that opportunity or were you just like wow i can't believe what you know th- this website of mine has has led me to to have uh, th- to be able to open up for this legendary rock band or was that i mean all these years later can you was that intimidating can you look back and say you know what i was scared but i'm i'm glad i went through it I mean, it was, it was definitely intimidating at first, and it was scary. But then, like, once you're in it and, like, you figure it out, like, it's, you're, you're doing it. And, like, I mean, the, the website has had, like, there have been other opportunities. Like, um, uh, we, we were the music video girls for Dave Grohl's side project, ProBot. Like, and Dave Grohl drummed on a drum set with the Suicide Girl logo, and like we got to hang out with him and Lemmy and Wino from. Um, wow. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was, and I mean, like my very first concert when I was like fourteen was uh, one of Dave Grohl's first con- concerts with Nirvana. Wow. And like, <laughs> yeah. So it was like there was like it, and like Lemmy. I mean, 
I got to go to the rainbow room with Lemmy. Like that's (laughs) an insanely sort of experience that like, I would have never thought that I could possibly have, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you just, you, you just go with the flow, you know? And like, you know, once you, it's, it's intimidating it to a point. And if they think about it, it's intimidating still, you know, but, um, once you just move through it and like, it's all about the confidence, I guess. And, you know, just, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that we've had the opportunities that we've had and like, that we've got to collaborate with the people that we've collaborated with and that we've gotten to open for. And I mean, it's, it's humbling. Um, but you know, I think it, it speaks to the testament of the message behind the site um, f- that resonates with people. I mean, clearly, I, I told you at the beginning how this resonated at me, uh, with me, and, and it has nothing to do with, you know, I, I don't want to re- revert to uh, shock jockery and be like, all oh, these beautiful hot girls on a website. And it really it was more than that. I've always been a fan of tattoos, regardless of, you know, whose skin it is, if it's a beautiful tattoo or wonderful, but it was the message. And I'm, I'm like, there are girls out there for me. And that's... Uh, you know, who who feel that like what I feel as far as being uh, wanting to be accepted and, and being judged. So I get it. Uh, but I, I hope I'm not making this up in my, my brain. Wasn't there almost a uh, a chocolate is incident with with Axel that almost happened? A what? Uh, for, for whatever reason, I, I remember that uh, I thought maybe in an email that you said that Axel had slipped on something on stage based upon a rehearsal of the Suicide Girls or am I just completely making that up? I don't. I don't recall. All right, because I don't know why in my head I, I had thought you you had said the uh, Axel during a rehearsal was slipped on, I don't know something that the girls were using whether it was an oil or or chocolate or something that was on stage that he slipped. But if I, I don't know, maybe it was a dream that I had. Clearly, <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe it happened. Like it's it's hard for me to remember that tour because it was you know like so long ago. But and we've done so many tours since then. Um, oh, hundred percent. Remember all the specifics for sure uh, of every tour, but it doesn't. It doesn't sound. You know, we did use chocolate in the, in all the right. um, Some so... thing. So, <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Is there anything? Uh, again, I know it's it's so hard to to remember. I, I barely remember what I did yesterday. But is there any memory that sticks out to you from that tour? Whether an interaction with the band. Or a specific show uh, that you still hold on to uh, all these years later. I don't remember personally. I remember that there uh, there was a problem with the with the tour bus with the, the bus the girls were on and like and for one show and Axel let them fly in his private jet and that was like the best thing ever <laughs> for them. They were like, "This is the coolest thing that's ever happened to us." All right. They were like, "Our bus is broken all the time." <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't go on the. I didn't go. I wasn't at the tour, but they were just like, like it was like one of those stressful situations where I'm back at home and trying to deal with like the bus company and like trying to get everything all situated and like trying to figure out something, some way for it to work because you know I want it to work. Um and. You know, Axel caught wind of of the problem and was just like, "Okay, thank you for having me." And like, I was like, "That is like the best." Like, it's just so gracious to him and so like awesome. And you're the one doing all the hard work, yet you miss out on the flight. Uh, that's the reward for all the, the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into it. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, good on Axel. I mean, it's not like he. I mean, yeah. could maybe like paid for another bus, but no. Take my my PJ. Take my private jet. That's pretty uh, pretty badass. Uh, what over the these uh, eighteen years do you think is your your proudest moment, or do you think that's still to come? I don't know. I mean, it's so hard. Like, I mean, I feel like personally, like my proudest moment is like like the friendships that I made and like the like the difference that I've made in in the lives that I've been able to like personally see. Um, you know, like the the girls that work for me, like you know, having them grow into their own, and like, like, because I've had girls that have worked for me for like twelve, you know, ten, twelve years, and so it's 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 rewarding for me. Like, I feel like now that I'm older, to like 
see them and their growth and like how they've passed on, you know, like to other people, um, their like expertise and like how awesome they, they've become as people and employees and like, you know, badasses in general, <laughs> like, you know, kind of mentoring them and then seeing them mentor somebody else has been, you know, pretty rewarding. Um, and, you know, like I, it's, it's hard for me to get, you know, to, to hear it like the, like in some ways I disassociate when, when people tell me like stories, like when you told me, you know, how, how much of an impact it had on you, because it's like, it's not me. It's, it's sort of a message that I'm spreading. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, so it's, you know, I feel like, uh, but those, of course, those stories are the things that have the most impact and like, I feel like are the most rewarding. I mean, there's, there's like tons of stories, you know, like opening for Guns N' Roses or, um, you know, doing the Dave Grohl thing or being on CSI, like playing myself <laughs> on CBS, you know, <laughs> those are all insane things that, you know, of course I'm super proud of, but I feel like it's, it's the stories and like the, the people's, um, the impact that the site has had on, on people's everyday lives that is the most significant to me. It sounds like you accomplished exactly what you wanted to do when you moved back to Portland. And that's to create a community, create friendships where everyone feels comfortable and supports each other. And you are, I guess, being rewarded or, or blessed or whatever, or have these opportunities to do all these great things uh, along with that because you continue to spread that, that mes- message that you thought of 18 years ago. So just congratulations. And, and tell us uh, what fans can expect from the 18th anniversary tour. And I believe you had told me uh, the actual 18th birthday is the L.A. show. Yeah, the the 18th birthday is the LA show, so we're really excited for that. Um, everybody can get tickets to come see the show across the U.S. Um, at blackheartburlesque.com. Um, and we're so excited. We've got um, rehearsals just finished yesterday for it. Um, cool. And so um, I got to see the dress rehearsal yesterday, and I'm so excited for people to see the show. Um, we've got um, a, an amazing group of, of girls um some of them have been on tour before, but most of them are new. And um, seeing their their performance and their energy and their excitement is so exciting. And like the solos that the girls came up with are pretty epic. I mean, like we have Mia Wallace solo this time. We have a Ducky from Pretty in Pink solo this time. We've huh. got um, a, a girl is doing a Toy Story solo. That's I mean, it's it's crazy. Toy Story. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, it's um, uh, it's going to be a really fun show. And there's um, you know we've got new group numbers that are like just some of my favorite. Like uh, we we came up with a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse number. Oh. That is that will blow everybody's minds. I can't, I mean, that movie itself blew my, my mind, so I can't imagine what uh, Suicide uh, Suicide Girl Spin is going to do to it. Um, are you coming to New York at all? Like, what, what are what are some of the cities that you're hitting uh, along um, the tour? Yeah, there's 68 cities across the U.S., so we're pretty much coming everywhere. Okay, cool. Um, do you do anything uh, internationally as well? We do. We played London in... June, I want to say, um, and uh, we've played in South America and Australia and um, uh, Germany. Um, so we don't have any internet. We, we did Canada a bunch, but um, we don't have any Canadian. Our Canadian promoter um, is no more, and so we need to find a new Canadian promoter so we can do a Canada tour. Okay, awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're playing Sony Hall in New York on October 8th. Oh, that's awesome. Great. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it out there because I, I can't have the Guns N' Roses show be my only Suicide Girls show uh, ever. I, <laughs> yeah. I, and I need to see that, that, uh, that Toy Story bit. You, you piqued my interest, <laughs> especially with that. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, um, if, any, if you've ever been to oh, you haven't seen our show in a while, but... Um, Unfortunately, I used to do... Um, 
the only, the only, you're going to be blown away because the only, because like I said, the, the Guns N' Roses version of our show was um, a little bit more tame than usual because of the um, the all ages thing. The kiddies, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, we also we had opened for Courtney Love, and it, we had a similar experience. <laughs> we were like, oh no, really? <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, because her show is all ages, and we we went out you know, just thinking that it was going to be like full like you know grunge girl like awesome yeah i would, especially Courtney like, love right all right yeah so we like we amped up everything because we're like we gotta we gotta raise our, our bar to Courtney love standard um, <laughs> has anyone ever said and, that <laughs> i say that lovingly <laughs> <laughs> and uh it it was just like and we walk out there and we're like you know full on like Marilyn Manson like going for it and like uh we're like, oh no, like crickets, like kids and their moms. Any other, we're like, oh no. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so Sunny has been um, a part of the tour for um, the past several years. She she does this Little Mermaid number hmm. where uh, she she takes uh, the the lyrics and changes them to make them. She she sings the song. Um, and, uh, it, but with, with a, an, a unique, funny twist to it. And so the same, it's a similar thing for the toy story. Okay. So it, will, it will be sung by our host and it will be interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah, Sunny was, she, she actually hosted the show for a long time. She came about, um, she, she was an audience member during the, one of the first tours, um, in New York and uh, she got drunk and came up on stage during the dance contest and had so much fun and was felt so like empowered. She was a government employee um, in Albany, <laughs> and she, um, but she she came up on stage and had had an experience at our show that was so life changing that she flew out to LA and auditioned for us and like and then she she got placed on our Australian tour and. Her life has never been the same since. That's an American dream right there. I love it. <laughs> right? Uh, and, so you never know what's going to happen. No, you don't. And that's why, um, you know, what you've been doing for 18 years and, and the community you've created is really a second to none. Uh, SuicideGirls.com, I'm looking at the dates. Uh, is uh, the September 4th in Riverside, California, That's the is that the kickoff? That's the kickoff, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. September 5th in L.A. is the... Um, is the 18th anniversary of the site, and then we go all the way through November. So we hit up every, pretty much every city in the U.S. Yeah, and no, I'm looking through yeah, Oklahoma, Kansas City, Sunday, Florida, uh, of course, New York, obviously Massachusetts. So uh, wherever you are, I get, I get listeners all over uh, suicidegirls.com for all the dates. And I can't thank you enough, uh, Missy, for taking some time out to to reflect on uh, what you, you've built. And just just obviously, you don't need me to tell you to keep doing it, keep doing what you're doing, because it's really made uh, a lot of people empowered and happy. And, you know, we get to see uh, a lot of beautiful women while we're at it. Thanks. Thank you so much for, for having me and for taking the time to talk to me. And, um, you know, validating that, you know, after 18 years, that there's still more work to be done and still more, <laughs> you know, like, lives to touch and people to... Um, to bring a little bit of joy and happiness. Absolutely. With, you know, tattooed boobies. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Missy. All right. Thank you. Total sweetheart. She was super, super nice. Uh, so I wa- I mentioned at the, the beginning of the episode that I recorded the interview portion of the episode, maybe like a week or so ago. And I had time to, obviously plenty of time to research why... Did I ask her about chocolate? Why did I seem like a weirdo? I, I, I did I dream about uh, chocolate, Axl Rose, and, and the Suicide Girls? I mean, it sounds like a dream. Probably uh, for for many of you, it, it was one. Uh, no, I I went back, and this is what uh, into my my social media when I announced Missy was going to be a guest. And this is what sucks about not having a producer or a co-host all the time. Uh, you know, it, it's hard sometimes to look at your notes and pay attention to what they're saying and to have in a an organic conversation because it's not always necessarily that I'm preparing for the next question. The next question is going to come with 
uh, come about regarding whatever they're talking about, you know, what I'm interested in, where I want the conversation to go. So I, I, I missed the part of why I mentioned the chocolate, so I sounded like a like a pervert. So I asked you guys if you ever saw the Suicide Girls open up for, for GNR, and many of you, of course, many of you commented. Uh, we got Todd saw them at the All-State Arena. Uh, Maddie saw them at Middle East. Vincent, Quebec. Uh, St- Stephen uh, said he saw them in Baltimore. Um, and Brett mentioned that he saw them in Cleveland. And I need to... Uh, say that I did drop the ball on this. Uh, I, I forgot that it was the Suicide uh, Girls tour, and specifically the Cleveland show that that Brett and he commented this on our Facebook page that it was the Cleveland show that uh, Axel referred to the Eagles of death metal as the pigeons of shit metal. <laughs> so I dropped the ball asking her about it. I would like to think she would have said something if she remembered that. So. Uh, let's just pretend I didn't drop the ball and the question wasn't needed. Sure. <laughs> Again, that's the, the, the shitty part about not having a, a producer because you, every episode in in and out, you always come up with the, the, the greatest questions that I wouldn't think of and you are my producers. It's just, you know, I wish you were here with me when uh, when I'm recording. But this guy, Kevin, on that same thread where all of you were commenting about where you saw the Suicide Girls open up for Guns N' Roses, and and Kevin said that he saw them in Halifax, and Axel later slipped in some cho- some of their chocolate, and a guy ran out with a mop real fast. LOL. So I did read it somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, why would I make that up? I, like, as the interview's going, I'm just like, wow, I'm, I'm I'm an idiot. Where did that come from? Well, it came from one of your questions, and I just couldn't remember uh, the source. So uh, now that I've had time. Uh, since the interview to go back and, and kind of figure out where my brain was going. Uh, that is why. Also, I don't know how many of you have noticed, but you know, Slash, of course, has had uh, a nose ring for quite a while. Now it seems like every guy has their nose pierced now, the hoop. It's no offense to those of you who have it. Uh, I've thought about it, but just like what I was talking to Missy about, just too many people have it, and I don't know. Then it just doesn't – it doesn't feel the same as if I would have gotten it 10 years ago. Slash, just like with guitar playing, with piercings ahead of his time. And uh, a quick thing before we go into uh, shotgun news. I don't know if any of you are thinking it. I, I, I want to just say it if any of you are because uh, you know I talk about – I've talked about suicide on this show, actual suicide um, whether it be with certain uh, rock stars who've taken their life, like Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington, those who maybe we thought did the slow process of of just not wanting to be here, like a Scott Weiland or a Janie Lane. So how can I talk about the Suicide Girls? Because it's it's just – it's not the same. It's just I'm I'm able to compartmentalize and understand what – the Suicide Girls is it's just a name of a of a group, a website, a, it could be a name of a band. You know, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of the band The Suicide Machines. I have one of their shirts. And yeah, I, I can't help but think for a second whenever I see the word or or hear it of just my personal history, but I just know not to not to get triggered by it. And and how relatable is that in the Guns N' Roses world? So that's why I, I can listen to a song like One in a Million and not be offended because I know it's a narrative. I know it's not – they're not used – those trigger words are not used in the same way as in another context or another venue. So it's the same thing with the word suicide. So I don't know if any of you were, say, were thinking it. Uh, obviously, I was thinking about it, so I just wanted to say it. Anyway, let's wrap up with some news. First thing I want to mention, since we are back on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, I got this email saying that we are now ranked 536 on the Apple Podcast music chart in the United States. Now, that may seem like a low number, but how many music podcasts are there just in this country? Way more than 536. So the fact that 
We're back on there. We're already being ranked. Thank you. Thank all of you and tell your friends. That's a big deal. It really is a big deal. Get us up there. I always say this. The more people know about us, the bigger guests that we will get. A hundred percent. That's how this works. So please follow, subscribe, uh, not only on Apple Podcasts and iTunes now, but we are also now on Spotify. That is too cool. So uh, there's a lot of places, of course, iHeartRadio, the iHeartRadio app, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, AlternativeNation.net, CastBox, just wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to leave a review. I want to read one. Uh, this is uh, from Matt Rock one on Apple Podcasts. He's from Canada. Uh, five stars, title, Great, Honest, Insightful Interviews. Thank you. Um, Brando has a wonderful, inviting demeanor and interview style. Always insightful, respectful, and fun. Great guests, co-hosts, and topics. He also has a great, genuine laugh that seems to burst out at any time. <laughs> See, there you go. Love it. Thank you. That's always a big deal to me. Whenever I listen to other people on radio or on TV, if they have an annoying laugh, forget about it. Just forget about it. You just end up hating the person. Uh, one of the best. Thanks for that, Brando. Keep up the great work. Hashtag Shotgun News. And you know the news was accented because that one was in cap. So thank you, uh, Matt. So please leave reviews. That's, again, how other people find us and know what we are all about. So the second part of Shotgun News right now is I've been thinking about Rod Jackson for a while. He was just a a great presence on this podcast. It was what episode was it? Maybe forty three, something it was early. Wow. Just to think that was almost a hundred episodes ago or more. But I've been thinking about him and I just didn't know how to get back in contact. Uh, my connect, you know, Facebook's a funny thing. I, I went to reach out because it was his fiance who who set up the interview, and I knew she had been sick just based upon her Facebook. I I, I hate, you know, trying to sound like a uh, a creep, but if you go on someone's Facebook, and it wasn't like I was snooping around, I'm like, oh, I want to message her again to interview Rod, and you just see other people's messages, and. Now, you, you hope for the best. Uh, Rod Jackson isn't the greatest on, on Facebook. We've spoken a couple times on Facebook, but it was mainly between me and his fiance. So it might have been last week, a couple weeks ago, that I go on his fiance Dina's Facebook again just to see if there have been any updates because I want to interview Rod again. I want to know what he's he's up to. You know, He was talking about new music when we interviewed him. And I see these messages of just how Dina had passed away. And, of course, I feel terrible uh, for, you know, for Rod, uh, her friends and family. And, again, I just don't know how to get in contact with Rod just to – not even just about an interview at this point, just to send my condolences. It might have been the next day or the day after Rod Jackson inboxes me. And it's not through his – I mean, if you're friends with him on Facebook, it's not through – it wasn't through the, his – I guess it was primary one. It was through a, you know, a, a more private one, which I had no connection to, and he wanted to touch base. So after a couple exchanges, you know, we we're talking on uh, on the phone, and he officially tells me uh, that his his fiance Dina had had passed away, and you know he's just a very lost person right now, and and that's it makes it, it breaks your heart because I don't know about you, I mean. A lot of us who have experienced a close death, uh, I mean, I've never lost a fiance or a girlfriend or you know a wife, but I've lost you know family members, and you know what it's like to feel lost. Uh, so you just all you can do is express symp- sympathies, and he said he's really pulling through uh, because of his music, and he wants to come back on the show. And I'm like, oh wow, that's that's great. I really appreciate you. You know, wanting to talk and, and share. And and if you remember that interview, he's just such a, a firecracker. He's like, yo, man. He's like, I can't tell you how many times since that interview people have come up to me. He's like, yo, I heard you on Appetite for Distortion. I heard you on the podcast. He sounded like – he made it seem like he was being inundated with people complimenting him on the interview with me, which blew me away. 
And then he goes, appetite for distortion is bigger than King Kong's dick. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I need to make a T-shirt of that or, or, or a bumper sticker or something. And it made me just feel really, really good. And he continues, like, I, I spoke to Slash a couple of days ago. I, I we, we apologized. And I didn't probe it, uh, into what the any more into the conversation with Slash. I, I have no idea uh, if because if it was just a one one off phone call just to mend fences. If there's going to be uh, you know a, a, another relationship friendship, I I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll find out when we interview him. But he said he's going to follow up with me in a couple weeks. He wants to put it the uh, the finishing touches on his new album. And he can't wait for all of you to hear it. So through tragedy, uh, Rod, Rod Jackson is, is uh, fighting through and he's going to talk to us again. And I can't wait. I also can't wait to go home and take some NyQuil and get this allergy attack out of my system. Oh, I hope uh, I wasn't too nasally at the intro and outro of this episode. Thanks for bearing with me. Again, I, I said I was uh, moving uh, and I, I guess I am officially moved to, to Queens. And the best part so far about the move is that moving my, my dresser in my bedroom after I think two years, I finally was able to reach my Chinese democracy vinyl that fell back there. <laughs> oh, my God. Thankfully, it's completely wrapped. It wasn't just the record. The entire you know vinyl still with the Best Bites sticker on it. Fell behind my my dresser two years ago. Just my fingers were are too small to reach back there. I couldn't get a stick back there. Not until I completely moved out of my apartment could I finally get Chinese democracy. <laughs> oh, I can't wait! And oh, you better bet that uh, I'm going to have some GNR posters up in my new place to combat my girlfriend's Dave Matthews posters. I never thought I would live somewhere where Dave Matthews would be on the walls. But here I am. Here I am in life. So uh, we will see what's coming up on the podcast. I have some guests cooking behind the scenes. And as you know, some guests just come out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, here's an episode. But in the meantime, please follow on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show. You guys give great and gals, of course, give great recommendations for guests. And a lot of you have earned co-hosting opportunities because of that. So don't stop on the requests. I, I wish I can get to all of them. If this was a daily GNR radio show, which would be cool, then we might have a guest for every day based upon how often you, you inbox me with ideas. So uh, thank you so much because, I mean, look what we're doing here. We're not just talking to rock stars. We're talking to the founder of the Suicide Girls. We've done interviews with the writers of the Looney Tunes. This is all through our our six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon. We it doesn't matter where we go with it, as long as it's somehow uh, connected to the band that we love. We we make it work. So until the next episode, when will you see it? Well, in the words of Axl Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know as soon as the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.